0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Andrew Slavin isn't here this week, but fear not, he is alive, as far as we know. Instead, you are stuck with me, JJ Bull, football writer for Telegraph, and you're incredibly professional. And I just also say I'm tired from the weekend, I'm your host this week. Andrew says he'll return to the podcast once he's achieved his lifelong dream of riding the Loch Ness Monster. And when he says riding, I'll say good luck to you, sir. This week on the show, we'll probably have to talk about Neil Lennon's new old job. Are Celtics still on for a treble treble? Who can stand in their way? Could it be the Highlanders? In the Scottish Cup, there can be only one, and it is usually Celtic. We'll chat about Inverness and speak to top Cali Thistleman and current first team coach Barry Wilson about their win over Dundee United. In the Premiership, St. Mirren win thanks to Flynn. And in League Two, Peter Heed are flying. We're going to have a wee discussion with Assistant Manager, or Assistant to the Manager, Davy Nichols. Alongside me in the studio from Copa90, it's video producer extraordinaire Laura Brannan.
1: Hello. What did I do to deserve that?
0: You just were here. And joining us this week, <laughs> drafted in like a free transfer to cover for injuries, it's European football journalist and Scottish human man, Kieran Canning. Okay, hello, Kieran. How are you? I'm good. I'm all right. As I mentioned, I am slightly tired. I had a busy weekend. Did you have a nice time? Was it you chucking buckfast to people? Uh, obviously. If I am a real Scottish man, as you say, that, this is what
2: real Scottish men do. Is it? So I, We didn't really have buckfast. Uh, ah, yeah. you, you're too far north. Yeah. You are. I hope this is not a pejorative term. You are what we would refer to in the west coast of Scotland as a chuchter.
0: I am a chuchter because I'm from the countryside, yeah. So, uh, so tunes toon, are our chuchters. I, I hail yeah. from the uh, Buckfast capital of the world in Lanarkshire. <laughs> um,
2: I'm, I'm, I can't say I've tasted it very often, but I am a fee with uh, what happens to humans when they,
0: we consume the uh, the Buckfast, and it is not, uh, not very pretty, as we saw on Saturday. It's oh, powerful stuff. The president of FIFA... Could have been anywhere this weekend. El Clasico, the North London Derby at Wembley, the Copacabana. But instead, Gianni Infantino was in Cove on Saturday to see the Wee Rangers beat Nairn County 3-0 in the Highland League. Imagine if Cove were up against Fort William, it would be a sight to see. It'd be pretty cool if FIFA were visiting, actually, Fort William. I would like that a lot. Infantino was up in Aberdeen because they had the iFab AGM which is that referees convention basically, isn't it? when they discuss all the rules, and rule changes.
2: Yeah, it's basically the annual uh, show of how Scottish football is still some way relevant to the world football at large. Somehow, <laughs> what good it has hotels. Well, because somehow Scotland has one of the four sort of casting votes on uh, rule changes to right? cover the whole of football. Yeah, because it's uh, Scotland, England, Northern Ireland, and Wales. Huh. And uh, this
0: is this is why it was in team this time round. There you go. Well, he was invited to the game. Infantino was, this is by SFA president Alan McRae, who's an honorary president at Cove. Yet more evidence of uh, the Rangers bias in the F-
2: SFA, <laughs> <laughs> even if it's Cove Rangers.
0: <laughs> Tin foil hats on.
3: can't get there, but another
4: back post is Joe Warlow, sent off in last season's FA Cup against Arsenal on the score sheet in this season's Scottish Cup quarter final.
0: it finished at Bataudry in the Scottish Cup quarter final, so it goes to a replay at Ibrox, which suits Aberdeen because they are the away form team. we have won, I think it's 400 games in a row now. The one thing I had found out about this week, so because that home form is so bad at Aberdeen, they um, stayed in a a hotel before the game, even though it was at home. They don't normally do that.
2: And trained on the pitch the day before,
0: which upset Steven Gerrard a lot.
2: Alfredo Ellis did not get sent off but because, he did try
1: because before the game I was looking to see if there was odds on him not getting sent off because I thought everyone's expecting it to happen so this will be the one time it doesn't
0: well I know this is very rare and I spent the entire season just I mean refereeing has been awful this season however what do they call them well, all of them however Aberdeen versus Rangers was superb Kevin Clancy I think got absolutely everything right completely fair didn't stand for any nonsense. Didn't seem to be uh, taken in by the crowd or the players. I thought he's fantastic. Well done! Sammy Cosgrove Ballon d'Or has now scored 18 goals this season. He scored a penalty. Um, all his penalties go at the same side. <laughs> and the keeper always seems to get a touch on it, but just not enough. Why can't they
2: stop it? Once again, though, McGregor did keep Rangers in the cup with some really good second half saves. Rangers are weird because they seem to now have got into this habit of absolutely hammering the bottom six yeah. is what I'm, what I'm looking for. The past three or four games, scored five against Hamilton, smashed Dundee midweek, but still really struggling when it comes to this, particularly away games against the better teams in the league. Drew, th- Drew and Lost at Kilmarnock, Drew with Holmes and Johnson, which is a bit of an anomaly, but I'm not really sure if uh, if Jarrod's got the, the right balance there. And particularly the fact that they spent so much money, at least in wages, on uh, and bringing in Defoe and Davis and
0: neither of them can get a game. <laughs> yeah, I I thought Rangers were really bad in that first half. They didn't turn up at all. And Aberdeen did, and they looked right up for it. Real, played with real determination, a um, lot of energy, but it was good shape. Um, it's a shame Gary Stephen steven had to go off injured. That looked really sore, actually. That kicked the back of the leg, but he's gone to the hospital, and apparently it's not as bad as first-feared, but I don't know what that means, whether he's got... Anything wrong it, with
1: him? Was it? It was an ankle injury he was suffering from before, wasn't it? It was a penalty though, which is kind of what you're saying. The referee did get a lot of decisions right. It was a penalty, and then you're looking at his um, the bookings he did give for simulation. Morelos definite dive.
0: Easy, his decision yet yeah, got it dead right. I McLaren,
1: think. definite dive. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so disappointing because I assume over the course of this podcast, this is not going to be the only dives that we're talking about. We're seeing it far too often now, not just this weekend, but it's, it's building up more and more. And it's the same players as well that are doing it.
0: I don't know why you hate it. I mean, it's it's not that bad. But you
1: don't know why I hate diving. It's cheating. Well, yeah, I hate
0: it when it's blatant and it's, but it, um, you know it, what I mean? I like a bit of like deviance. no. <laughs> I'm also in the deviance corner. I never understand why people get more
2: angry about diving than like, a sneaky short tug, or like, or appealing for a throw in when you know it's not your throw in. Yeah, it's also yeah, being devious. Hopeful. There's loads and loads of things. You pulling thing. a
1: shirt is is just a bit of a physical, the physical game, and we like it being physical. But diving is just plain cheating. Scotland have not qualified on so many occasions because of blatant cheats. Exactly. I'm sure how to dive. Exactly. I am no, I am broken as a result of that, and I still maintain that I would rather my team lost, honestly, than won by cheating no, that I is think... the
0: attitude of why Scotland don't qualify
2: for <laughs> a major tournament is. In so <laughs> long. and so I
0: totally agree this is the kind of clever stuff <laughs> it's not clever but it's it's just what everyone does there's absolutely okay, no though. point to, to be this brave valiant look at me I play by the but rules it doesn't, it doesn't, make, doesn't make it matter.
1: okay just because everyone else is doing it Every, if everyone is shape... just saying it's okay but everyone else does it so you, no, you need to be smart that's like saying oh, everyone's racist and have sing to in songs but it doesn't make it okay diving in a football game is not the same as
0: being <laughs> racist <laughs> It's not the same thing. Um, I did enjoy. There's a. So I didn't know about this actually, but um, there's a there's a banner on display, and I think it was in the south stand the Aberdeen, the Aberdeen game. Um, so Aberdeen fans, when the ones were doing really well in Europe, were drawn with Bayern Munich and teams like that. Not that long ago, this is When they, I think it was the early two thousands. I think I'm talking about two thousand two. Two thousand and what year did Rangers get to do the UEFA Cup final? remember? Two
2: thousand eight yeah it was around that year because it was a year that rangers got to the uf got final celtic got to the champions league last 16 and aberdeen got beyond christmas which was the best season in scottish football in europe for oh,
0: it was decades. heady times my yeah. pals all went and had great fun i didn't go i think it was like a lucky charm to not go anyway there was a song that went around the aberdeen fans during that trip where they were singing your Ma's a mattress to the i think it's like a an old like dun, 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 that song whatever that one is
1: well the Great Skate.
0: Yeah, the Great Skate one, that's the one. <laughs> so they had a a banner at Pitodre which read in perfect Spanish, Morelos your Maza Mattress.
2: Yeah, as Spanish insults of the mother go, uh, surprisingly it's like quite tame. As I know <laughs> that's from why my I like six it. years in Spain.
1: I'd yeah. never heard this term before. Um and I saw a few, a few people kinda get up in arms about it saying this is outrageous and this is you funny, stamp it, it out of football. We see people chucking things at players, we see like things being chanted in the stands and yeah sure we need to stamp things like that out but if you're holding up a banner just to aggravate the opposition player and hopefully get to them in some way, I'm all for that.
0: I agree, I don't think it should become anything evil and I no. think that just, just is on the line of not being oh, I mean, it's, it's so silly that it's not directly an attack
1: yeah because you're not saying something so no? bad it's not like laughing or something like that it yeah, is, well, it's a yeah. cheeky dig and it's it's in the Scottish sense of humour now albeit Morelos might not get the Scottish sense of humour and might take great offence to that but that is down to the individual and that's probably what the fans are wanting anyway but I just see that as that is all part of this whole Scottish football is hilarious and yeah go for in it in the
0: words of Anchorman let's leave the mothers out of this <laughs> Well, um, yeah, we should talk about the Rangers' goal They equalised just after half-time I think they were much better in the second half don't think they really changed much In the way they were playing But they just were better Joe Waddle's finish is phenomenal It's like a little... McManaman did it as well That that weird style of um, volley He did it in the Champions League final as well, I think, McManaman Oh, yeah, he did, yeah Yeah, um, yeah Anyway, Joe I mean, Warrell's Worrell, not Worrell quite had,
2: the same Yeah, That's what, yeah. clearly didn't know what he was doing <laughs> <laughs> Ball just came off... No, uh, no I think the Rangers better in the second half precisely because they, they got the goal so early and sort of settled them down a bit. Yeah. What surprised me, though, is that how many chances Aberdeen then had thereafter. you think once Rangers got back on level terms, they would get more of a football hold in the game yeah. and become, become more of the dominant side. But it was more... Rangers were more dangerous on the counter-attack, even at, at 1-1, and Aberdeen had plenty of chances. And I know we're sort of joking earlier on saying how Aberdeen do have such a good away record and poor home form, so they might fancy their chances at Ibrox. But yeah, you know, they they had the chances there to put it away yesterday, and given that Aberdeen normally average at one win, at Ibrox a decade's doing it twice in the, se- <laughs> in the season might be uh, might be a bit difficult.
0: The replay for this game now though clashes with Champions League last sixteen ties, just like the replay between Rangers and Comanik in the last round, so it won't be live on TV.
2: It it? Sucks. I, I, again, <laughs> from my uh,
0: experience working in
2: the Spanish football, you can have it on TV. Yeah. You just can't have it at the time when the Champions League game's being played. In Spain, it was quite often because either Real Madrid or Barcelona were playing in the Club World Cup around Christmas time, so they would miss a league match and would have to make it up in February time. Yeah. And they would start the game either before or after, <laughs> given the, the Spanish tendency to start games late, but normally before, so they'd have a kickoff around about like six o'clock and then finish just in time for the Champions League game starting. So they changed Did the we, kickoff time; they could show it on TV. Yes, but there, there was f- I think this, this is good actually because it's for like for once they were actually prioritising the match-going fans by not having it at you know, half-past five or whatever and having yeah, it on TV. I can't go. The,
1: the, um, there was a French game on last time there was a Champions League fixture on at the same time. But I think it's just the, the Federation will get fined. Yeah, and they're happy though. to pay for that because so, it's the French Federation. They're not exactly sure of money. It's a silly one-team is that. It's... Very precious, isn't it? It's ve- I think it's very precious. Of the Champions League to be like, no, we're the only ones that matter. Yeah. I mean, I would much rather see Rangers versus Aberdeen in the seventh clash of the season than watch the Champions League.
0: You're damn right, Laura. Is it 2015 all over again? Are oh, Cali Thistle about to win the Scottish Cup? Because the Highlanders are going back to Hamden They won the all-championship affair at Tannadice 2-1 Knocking out Dundee United to advance to the semi-finals We're joined now by first-team coach and Inverness legend Barry Wilson Hello Barry, how you doing? I'm great, thanks So Dundee United beat Inverness in midweek at Tanner Dice in the championship What was the feeling coming into that game on the weekend?
3: Um, yeah we were quietly confident I know, you know we didn't play our best on, on Tuesday night we made a few changes and, um, tried a different formation just to kind of put United off the centre a little bit to be honest and uh, a lot, you know, we, we lost 1-0 there was nothing in the game except a, a rash challenge and, and a soft penalty on Tuesday night that separated the sides so we were quite confident going in and, and we, we felt that like if we were a bit there with storm then we would gradually get into the game actually you know it worked opposite, you know, we started the game really, really well Got in front, lucky not to go a couple of goals up at half-time, you know And then, you know, contentious decision, sort of got United back in the game But I thought the boys showed great character to come back And then, you know, having the goal to sort of offside Which was borderline, to say the least oh, so tight. Uh, it, was, it was so uh, tight,
5: that
0: call, I can't believe that one
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see the, the, the linesman the lines have been on the other side, and the first person he sees is uh, the young fullback seaman. Then might have been different, but he's obviously the first person he sees is, uh, is Nathan Austin. And, and, and as I said, it, it was a tight one, but we just felt that like we weren't getting the rub the green with those decisions. And then uh, we asked to pop up with, with a very brave header. He's not known for his header, I believe, but uh, <laughs> it was, uh, that was a fantastic uh, feeling and, and great scenes at the end.
0: Aaron Doran, I thought he was excellent all the way through that game. Did you? Yeah. Was the setup of the team kind of built to try and get the most out of him in that game? Was he the key? Do you think in the planning for it?
3: Yeah, a lot of Um, You know, we rested them on Tuesday night, um, and a lot of formation that worked well on Tuesday. Uh, we felt it was really important to get Aaron back into the team. Um, you know, he, he gives us that little bit of creativity that. Uh, that every team needs, and like you said, I thought he was he was fantastic. thoroughly deserved his man of the match, and and very appropriate to, that he managed to to get the winner. Uh, I mean, I think he was he was a handful all afternoon for uh, the young fullback.
1: Speaking of scenes at the end, John Robertson was. Uh, I heard one commentator say coptering all <laughs> over the pitch. <laughs> he enjoyed that one, didn't uh, he? I <laughs> uh, did. He
3: doesn't. He doesn't often show his emotion that way, you know. So it was nice. It really was. You know, it's been. You know, there's been. Uh, it's been a tough season. Um, you know, we've we've well documented the amount of draws that we've had um, in the league, and we've also had two in the cup as well. So it was looking like another one, um, which would just give us another headache, with another fixture. So it was. I it was just brilliant. It was brilliant to see the manager and uh, and the players celebrate like that. You know, they came through a hard game in the last round two games against Ross County and um, got through in penalties and then said injury time winner. I was uh, yeah it's been fantastic we're all now looking forward to the semi-final draw tonight
2: uh, But you mentioned the number of draws you've had so it's only 6 defeats in 26 games in the league do, do you think the cup sort of suits you in that sense that you're such a hard team to beat that, that anything's possible in the semis and potentially the final
3: yeah I think so. Like You, say, you know, we've been a hard team to beat this season. I mean, even those defeats—I mean, I think three of them have probably came in the last two or three minutes. You know, we've been on the opposite end of uh, late goals. We're well organised. We've got a good squad—a good squad of players, although not in size. You know, we don't have the biggest of squads. We're always filling the bench up with, with our uh, under-18 side. Um, if you're in games, you've always got a chance. You know, and, and you know, as so showed yesterday, you always got. Something can something always happens in the cup, and it seems to be remembrance in the Scottish Cup, doesn't it? There's always there's, there's always something uh, seems to be happening from way back and way back in the days.
0: Because it's changed heaps, right? Because you signed when they were third division side and played your your last yeah. game. Uh, the club twelve years later, uh, and they were a Premiership club. It's pretty. It's so a pretty nuts ride right, to be yeah. part of. What, what are you involved with them now? You work with the under-18s as well, don't you, at the moment?
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm heading professional development, so basically I take the under-18s, and uh, but I'm also first-team coach as well. So it's a dual role which keeps me busy. Totally enjoying it and, and just delighted that uh, the manager asked me back in the summer when uh, when Brian left first at Milan.
0: And you obviously don't have favourites, but um, if you, if you if you did, who is? Is there any special young talents you think will be have a big career coming through just now?
3: We do have yeah, we've got two or three. I mean, our, our young boys are well taught of their their league at current time. Um, probably, you know, we've got young Dan McKay who's made I think it's the 25 first team appearances now. Young Roddy McGregor as well, who's who's made four or five appearances, and links to Cameron Harper who's also, you know, had a taste of first team, and they've all they're all getting little, you know, they have all been involved in squads nearly as well. And the manager's been great with them, um, you know, not not scared to put them on. In fact, on Sunday, we had a lad who's just 16, he's still at school, young Lewis Hyde, made his, well, didn't make his day, but he got on the bench for the first time, you know. So it's brilliant. And, you know, just the fact that we, we do carry a small squad um, gives these guys the opportunity, but they only get it if they deserve it.
0: Dundee United was another one with weird dives, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's maybe another one I was referring to, we'll talked about later on. Paul McMullen, I'm sorry, he, he, this is not the first time he's done this. It is almost week in, week out. Okay, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but, but he's he no it? stranger to this. It's getting to the point where... Capital punishment. Chuck, yeah. fuck, fast Adam! <laughs> See if you're a, a serial diver. Get him off. Send him off. Don't do this yellow card nonsense. Just get him straight off. But what have you get it wrong? It's like capital punishment, isn't it? Oh, Lord, can, you imagine, can, can, you imagine, can you imagine
0: a while call game? <laughs> There'll be about six people All left right. in the field.
1: It's, it's, he is one of the most guilty players in the entire SPFL for diving. And why are refs not... Clamping down on it more. And why are the clubs not clamping down? On it I more? think it's
0: very hard to call and it's very, it's a very my clever
1: challenge. I was clearly not a penalty. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone apart from the referee who says that was a penalty.
0: Um, I absolutely loved the absolute scenes at the end of this game when John Burton's coming on the pitch because it clearly it sounds very like cliche heavy but it clearly meant so much to them they were absolutely delighted well the interesting thing was I mean Barry was talking about there how
2: Inverness made changes for the midweek game clearly prioritising the built for it yeah prioritising the cup whereas Robbie Nielsen was like very clear I mean it's easy to say after the game but he was like the league is our priority we need to know. We were never going to win the Scottish Cup, so we need to just focus on. Because I mean, for Dundee United, it is a, I say it's a bigger thing, but they are a size of club that should be in the Premiership. Yeah. yeah,
1: but I also feel as though they're still a long way off it, and they're yes, they're doing better this season, and Robbie well, Nielsen has changed things around. Yes, yeah. but I still feel like the heart is not there. And it's not been there for a few years now and it has been ripped right out of the club since they got relegated. And you look at it, even though Robbie Nielsen's turned it around, there's still a complete lack of leaders. There's just no oomph. There's no X factor about them when you watch them now.
2: I mean, they bought an entire new team in January, like 11 new players um, and done significantly better since then. So I think it's one another situation I know what you're saying but they need to get back up and get a bit more revenue they've before they can have got players
0: in the team as well they've got like, like Paulette and 5 it's yeah. never Aberdeen player that was in the team you as well can,
2: You yeah. can still
1: have star players in the championship and just be to that level like the likes of uh, Lauren Shankland the mm. or the likes of Lewis Morgan when he was at St Mirren and they were running right in the championship so as you're saying they've got Mark Reynolds they've got um, Fraser 5 and players who have played at the premiership and should be taking that step down to then be the leaders in the team to take them right back up again and so far I'm still not seeing who is that standout leader.
0: But then to to buy leaders like that, they are usually either expensive or they're kind of old and a bit they rubbish basically Because they're old And they've, yeah. they've lost their pace or, so. or haven't played a lot As yeah. like, a few of their signings in, in January You know guys that Have a premiership Track record But had moves Haven't really worked out And coming back to, Exactly to And to you had Reynolds football. Reynolds was going nuts At his teammates During that whole game Because they weren't doing the Simple things But they're quite I mean, They're not young They're all sort of mid-twenties Like you've got Cammy Smith and Paul You know They're players Who you think are young Forever Even when they're 40 You're like they've oh, always got potential
5: Hello, I'm Emma Bullimore, and I'm Mark Jeffries. We host the Series Link podcast for TV fans by TV fans, and this week we have a very special guest. We managed to sit down with the one and only Ricky Gervais. Jane went to Brighton once um,
0: to visit her mum, and the boiler went, and I didn't know how to do it, and <laughs> I couldn't get the telly on. So I sat for two nights. So she went for two days. Two days, and, <laughs> and it came out, and it was like. It was honestly, it was like castaway.
5: <laughs> he talked to us about everything, including his new Netflix show Afterlife, his love of dogs, and what he thinks of Twitter critics. To be able
0: to cast your leading lady as a German shepherd <laughs> was unbelievable for me. And I admit I cast it on looks first,
5: and then
3: then she backed up with a great personality.
5: Search series linked on your podcast app to hear the full interview with Ricky.
0: Two games in Edinburgh this week Two wins out of two for Neil Lennon back at Celtic It's his old job that he wanted for a while Second half goals from James Forrest and Scott Brown Saw the Scottish Cup holders progress the semi-finals With a 2-0 win at Hibs But the headlines were dominated by a bottle of Buckfast Because some chump threw a glass bottle Made of glass Onto the pitch towards Scott Sinclair while he was taking a corner Which is not cool guys
1: Stop throwing things It's that simple We've seen coins, bottles, You have seen someone do it in real life lighters. in the stadium? No, I haven't actually. I've, I've seen, seen
0: lighters in the
2: stadium. I haven't seen anything well, I've, I've uh, seen, coins or uh, I've seen bottles.
1: flares and like smoke bombs and stuff when I was abroad <laughs> working with Copper 90, but I've not seen it. In Scottish football, a game, I've not seen anything personally. Um, I nearly got hit by a lighter once in Croatia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it's, it's just so brain dead. In what walk of life is it okay to throw things at each other?
2: The, the real big sort of topic of conversation at the moment in Scotland is strict liability or not. So in the moment yeah. the clubs, even if you know, bottles of Buckfast are thrown on or in the past week did not talk about the sectarian chanting, the clubs are not held liable as individuals that are held liable and the clubs are unlikely to change the rule because if they are then found liable then they are much more likely to be fined or have uh, stands closed or possibly even points deducted. But there's now a bit more of a push towards trying to force the clubs to accept more responsibility.
0: We yeah, were talking about this last week. Andrew Smith had a little chat with us on the phone about um, this whole stuff. It's uh, kind of weird how things keep getting thrown. I've seen it once before. Uh, my best pal get coined. Someone threw a coin from the Celtic end to his when we were at a semi-final. Uh, he did not enjoy it. <laughs> it not one bit. I don't know what kind of... I just don't know what how much of a so moron you are throwing stuff.
1: That's between fans and throwing things at each other. Fans throwing things, things at fans. Just across the stands. Yes. I, just, I, mean, I was saying this on Twitter earlier in the week. I just feel like if we keep going the way we're going, we're going to be watching football behind a net. Because it's the only way to make sure that somebody's not injured. And this is it. people keep saying, when is this going to stop? When is this going to get addressed? Is it going to be when somebody actually gets hit? Because we're seeing it happen. It's coming very close and until a player actually comes in contact, Hugh Dallas style, or knocked out, or whatever, is anyone actually going to take action and stop this?
0: And the thing I just thought of with that strict liability, right? So say you see someone, say I see you, run chucking a bottle of Buckfast um, at Scott Sinclair. At this time, I happen to be uh, a Hibs fan, and I see you do it, and I, well, if I report him, then the club will get points deducted. So I don't want to do that, because then I'm going to gub my own team. Well, this is, so the counter-argument the, kind of yeah. strict liability is that
2: there should be more self policing amongst fans that particularly given the rising incidents that we're having in the past few weeks, that something needs to be done about it and there needs to be more fans pointing figures
0: at and it their own fans. totally thing. right on paper, right? But then you think when you're actually in that situation, it's horrible having to grass up on someone. Even, well, if they have been racist, I think, I have I mean, I'm pretty sure I would just go and tell a steward something. But if there's someone throwing stuff, you think they're mental anyway. But the thing <laughs> is, are you
1: actively going to get out of your seat and walk down to a steward in front of them yeah. and point them out and point to them in the stand? Like... I don't know, is there some sort of discrete way of doing this where you can almost like, almost grasp them up without them knowing? Like, you know, text a number of your actual seat and say, like, you that's know... That's a good idea, make an app somebody, or something like that, yeah. Like, you know, it's two seats down sort of thing, or this is the area, like, can I home in on this kind of area and you might find the person that's guilty and then you're never known to be the one that's responsible for grasping them up.
0: Well, one person directly involved in this, obviously, is Neil Lennon, who uh, had something chucked at him earlier in the season. He's back at Celtic... And he went back, again, somewhere else, to Hibbs for this game here. Celtic really sort of stepped up in the second half,
2: took control, um, scored two very good goals. I mean, the first one from Forrest to to get things going. It was an incredible strike. And now, uh, as you were saying
0: before the podcast, JJ Scott Brown appears to be good again. Yeah, I don't know how this has happened. Because he was, not long ago, uh, slow, tip-tap, nothing. What, the... the last game before the winter break the Rangers game that Celtic lost well, remember, he, he was he was packing awful. his bags going to Australia we're like he's gone he's done his legs are gone he is a, not a liability for Celtic but he's just holding them back a bit now he's absolutely brilliant he, he looked fast
1: I just feel like okay so he's had a, a wee bad spell of the season but I don't think it's a case of he's became good again I think it was he just had an off spell earlier in the season and I'm looking at it from the other perspective
0: I mean I think he brings huge amounts what he does bring Forget what he does on the ball; it's the stuff he brings off the ball to the team, the leadership, that sort of stuff. Particularly at the moment, I think. Yeah.
1: That, I mean,
2: Lennon and even Rodgers in his first um, Leicester press conference and justifying his, you know, decision to leave and stuff was saying how the, the the state that he'd left Celtic in was actually very good and like the leadership was there to take over and and mention Brown amongst that and the fact that he has now decided to stay on um, for another couple of seasons might sort of help. See Celtic through what's going to be. Even if Lennon stays on and gets the job permanently, it's going to be a big summer of transition in terms of players. The one thing I would say, like in terms of how the game went, Hibs were very disappointing. Like they barely, they had a couple of, sort of shots and goal from from long range, but they you know, barely tested uh, Scott Bain. And if you compare that to recent Hibs Celtic games when Lennon has been the manager, I mean Rodgers didn't win at Easter Road in three attempts. I think it was like one draw and two defeats. And, and Hibbs always seem to score goals against Celtic, whereas the two games they've played since Lennon left in the league at Celtic Park and on Saturday, Celtic have won very comfortably.
0: Because Lennon set up Hibbs to be quite aggressive against Celtic, didn't he? he try to take the game to them a wee bit. What did Heckerbottom do here? Did he do anything oh. different from what Lennon would have done with Hibbs? They were
2: sat off, they were um, more in a 3-5-2. The two up front, never really got involved in the in the game very much. I mean, obviously, Canberra had a big point to prove, given his uh, falling out with Lennon towards uh, the end at, at Hibs and has caused Celtic problems in the past. But they didn't really get the the service into them. And it just seemed a bit too passive. As you say, like, when Hibs have played well against Celtic, they've pressed them high and really put them under pressure. But particularly in the second half, it was just too easy for Celtic to play and around them
1: yeah i feel like they were just giving celtic too much respect they were giving them far too much space See, for scott brown's goal as much as it was a great goal he should never have been given that amount of space to move nobody was closing them down
2: just like i know you like the uh the tactical changes I jj the tactical changes tell me celtic started off with uh Edward as a playing as a kind of number 10 and he was terrible and uh after about 20 so 25 about minutes they changed it and moved Burk's to the right, which is actually, I actually think this first time I've seen Bark playing in it's kind of more natural position, the right winger at Celtic. Forrest is number ten, and Edward up front, and then it was from that sort of number ten position that um, that Forrest sort of got the space to to score the opening goal. So that uh, like be, when
0: he runs to the middle of the pitch, he's good. Obviously, he's good wide because he's basically a winger. But when he runs that folk through the middle, they don't know what to do. How do you stop him? Because you either foul him or trip him up, or you have to retreat, and that's where you get the space. So obviously, in this latest episode of. Scottish football job swap. We've got um, Brendan Rodgers left Celtic. Did he? Yes. Did you hear about this? Uh, It crossed uh, my path last week. (laughs) So yeah. Um, Celtic fans took it really well. Um, (laughs) He's he's traded immortality for mediocrity. He wasn't happy with that. He's been in the paper since saying that um, he's one of them he's a Celt really at heart but he had to make a decision with his head did he make things worse for Celtic fans with what he's been saying could he possibly made it any better is it that bad a
1: thing no I think they're just laughing at him to be honest and I think they're laughing at him even more after the last minute defeat to Watford as well Uh, did you see Watford's tweet they welcomed their newfound support north of the border the little green love heart (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no I think no matter what he says now the damage has been done and Celtic fans are just pity laughing at him almost
0: Kieran Canning
2: the well, the, th- the problem with Rodgers has always been whether it's you know way going back to there's a, a Watford fan in uh, my office who came in uh, sought my counsel on his latest decision because he did the same thing to Watford to go to Reading yeah. and at th- that point said that Reading was the only club he would leave for because he had uh, coached there previously. I spoke to another colleague who uh, told me about his first press conference at Liverpool where he talks about uh, sitting on his granddad's floor watching a Liverpool FA Cup final from the 80s um, and how Liverpool had been such a big part of his upbringing and you know he had such a tight tie to Liverpool. Then he comes to Celtic, obviously, his dream job, in his own words, would still be there if he'd followed his heart. I think the problem with Rodgers has always been he talks a bit too much, and uh, and doesn't help himself. On the other hand, I do think the reaction or overreaction, as I would put it, to from the Celtic fans' point of view, has been very overblown. Like I th- it was quite well known uh, among sort of more well-informed Celtic fan media that um, that Rodgers was off at the end of the season, probably to Leicester. The fact that he's Probably made the wrong decision in bringing that forward by a couple of months, isn't great. But I think the banners and some of the chants and stuff like that has been a bit over the top. I think it'll be forgotten pretty soon.
1: I don't know. They did. No. Oh, was it a banner two games in a row? What we're we going to get this for the rest of the season? A <sighs> new slogan every week?
2: No, I think there might be something if they did. To the treble treble, there might be something oh, on, on the, the final third season, but if, if they, they do it,
1: that, it's really poor. You've just this? no, I'm sorry, the fan you've just made history and won a treble treble. This is obviously hypothetical that we know is going to happen, but if you're sitting there, you're going to enjoy your team winning. Don't go and have a dig at somebody who left what three months ago.
2: One caveat to the uh, the treble treble is I
0: keep hearing David Barry every time you say it,
2: uh, Neil <laughs> oh, Lennon's trouble. record at Could Hamden as a Celtic manager. Roll Cup I mean he did win a few cups. Oh that's so, interesting, yeah. Oh, right?
0: Neil interesting? Lennon's record at Hamden as a self manager. manager.
2: Right? Tell me. As an interim manager, as he is now, lost to Ross County in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup in two thousand and ten, lost to Rangers in the League Cup final in twenty eleven, lost to Kumarnock in the League Cup final in two thousand and twelve, lost to St Mirren in the League Cup semi final in twenty thirteen. So if Ross County, Rangers, Kumarnock and St Mirren could do it back then, maybe Inverness, Rangers or Aberdeen, Particle Hearts can do it. In 2019. I
1: it's do feel like there's a little
2: to... bit of a... like. It almost
0: seems a tiny bit vulnerable. It's just not Hold
1: same... on a minute. It's very easy to twist your stats here. Yes, he's lost five games to Amden. He's won six, though. And he's won some trophies on the but, way. But,
2: yeah. <laughs> like six when... out of 11 for a Celtic manager and yeah. isn't... I, I, can... I mean, Rodgers didn't, didn't lose any. To agree with you, I do think coming through those two games... I mean, those are two of the, the toughest games that he's going to face between now and the end of the season in the past week and to come through in sort of different circumstances. The one where you get the last minute winner and you get the high from that and then you get the better performance, more control, um, very good victory. And as I say, the two grounds where even Rogers and Celtic, for all the domestic dominance, have struggled in the past uh, couple of seasons. That could just launch Celtic into this last bit of the season. And really, they just need the next couple of league games. They've got Aberdeen at home, they've got Rangers at home coming up. They haven't dropped a point at home all season. If they win them, the league is done and they can concentrate on the cup.
0: Maybe we should go around the grounds in the SPFL. Here is Neil White with the headlines from the Championship, League One and Two.
5: And how about Dunfermline? At the start of February, they were one very bad week away from the relegation playoff position at the bottom of the Championship. And now, four consecutive wins later, they are in the final playoff position at the other end of the table. On Saturday, they beat Queen of the South 1-0 thanks to a Ryan Blair 20-yarder. Blair is one of two smart loans they secured right at the end of the winter window. Blair came in from Swansea City and Bruce Anderson arrived from Aberdeen. They have made a difference. Six defeats on the spin in all competitions for Queen of the South now, and all of a sudden they are by no means safe from relegation. Neither are Falkirk, but their 1-1 draw at Morton on Friday night has them 8 and unbeaten in 2019. League One and Dumbarton continue to blast their way out of trouble like Arnold Schwarzenegger in commando. A Ross Forbes penalty and a goal by Dom Thomas to add to his hat-trick last week gave Dumbarton a 2-0 win over Arbroath for only the league leader's third defeat of the season Forfa goes second after they cruised to a 3-0 win over East Fife. Wraith Rovers had to come back from 2-0 down at halftime to rescue a point at Stranraer, But it remains. our both for the title at a scoosh and now in order, Forfa, Wraith, and East Fife for the playoffs. There's a 4-point gap after that group. At the other end, the bottom two met and get this, Breakin led early at Stennis Muir. Then Stenning had Russell Dingwall send off midway through the first half. Stennis Mule then equalised, had Connor Duffy sent off with 19 minutes left, but with nine men held on for a draw that keeps the gap between these two at two points. League Two and for the first time in forever, there's daylight at the top. Peter Head registered their third 1-0 win in seven days edging a tight derby against Elgin City with an early goal from Paddy Boyle, the left-back's first for the club. Meanwhile, in Cumbernauld, David Goodwillie's penalty was the only thing between Clyde and Edinburgh City, despite Clyde playing at the last 26 minutes without the services of Tom Lang after the defender's second red card of the season. And that means Clyde go above Edinburgh City into second, four behind the leaders peter head at the bottom albion rovers were three minutes from their first win in 20 games before callum anderson of berwick rangers ruined it all and ensured they are still utterly rooted to the bottom of the table who will they face in the playoff of doom east Kilbride lead the lowland league by 10 and have a game in hand and in the Highland League, Cove rangers are in the box seat, especially if they can win the two games in hand they have over Brawler Rangers. Finally, at the bottom of the Highland League table, friends of the pod Fort William, winless in two calendar years at this point, were in front against Wick in wet and windy conditions when the Fort William keeper Finlay Burstall made a save and came up complaining of mud in his eyes. As treatment continued to the temporarily sightless custodian, the referee decided he'd seen enough of this madness and called the game off. Fort Williams' long, long wait continues. But as you just
0: heard, Peter Head, Peter Heed, extended their lead at the top of League Two. Their management team are no strangers to leading them to the title. We are joined now by assistant manager Davy Nichols. Davy, how are you
4: doing? Not too bad, thank you is And it? yourself
0: Oh, just absolutely fine Sort of, I'm okay I'll say I'm okay, yeah It was a busy weekend It was a tight 1-0 win uh, Over Elgin in the Derby on Saturday for you So you've had a busier weekend than I have uh, It's your third 1-0 win of the week You must be very happy with that solidity Yeah,
4: we are, um, The fact we're not conceding any goals um the last three games um, Has been really good The only thing we've been looking for Is a bit better performances But I think Two of the games, the conditions Played a major part with a win to high wins Um but all oh, we're just delighted to get three points, you know, and get to the top of the league and stay there, you because know, the last couple of times we've got there we've relinquished the league quite quickly within a week, but you know, the boys um solidified that at the weekend and managed to stay top, you know, which was excellent.
0: It's been it's been Peterhead and Edinburgh City as the top two basically the, the whole season, but now you've got Clyde muscling in. Um do you feel like you've got form at exactly the right time this part of the season to push for that the, well to stay top now
4: definitely man. we always knew Clyde was going to be a major threat um, given the the management team and, a cl- and as a club but also you know the players have got um, the likes of David Goodwillie um, who brings great experience and uh, no lack of quality to their team um, and Edinburgh uh, James McDonough who I know well uh, they've had a fantastic season as well and they've been pushing quite hard but you know it's, we've had to go in the hell of a run to you know, get to the top of the league um, the boys have been determined not to give that up you know
1: you'd uh, left back Paddy Boyle getting his first goal as well at the weekend you need everyone pitching in don't you when you're going for this title
4: definitely um, although Paddy was taking a wee bit of stick on Saturday you know, we thought he was trying to cross it but <laughs> he managed to go in which was great but and was he, um, I said, he doesn't probably a lot of goals but no it was a vital goal um, at a good time um, as I said, the conditions on Saturday were at times they were farcical but we managed to dig it out. And as you say, it's great that everybody's contributing, you know, the goals if the goals through all over the pitch and it it means we're not relying too heavily on, you know, the likes of Rory and um Derek Lyle. You know, Shane's, Shane's obviously come in, which is a major boost to the, the squad as well. So hopefully these guys can see us through at the end of the season.
1: What does this mean for the club to get promoted and for yourself as well, to be involved with that success?
4: Oh, it's massive. You know, certainly I was I was very fortunate in my playing career to win a you know a couple of league titles uh, with different clubs. But as a coach, it's different because you can you can't really affect it, you know as much because you're you're on the sidelines. Um, it's brilliant, you know, for the club. It's a great club to be at. Um, absolutely fantastic. To the people that run the club, uh, they work tirelessly, and I know Jim you know, works really hard as well. And the background staff are there to support him and the players and if we get the rewards at the end of the season then it makes it all worthwhile you know
0: Is, it, is Cy Ferry asked you for an interview yet? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no I wouldn't actually go on his show there's no way I would go on because right? he would set me up, <laughs> would, he would set me up a professionals is that right? Yeah you know <laughs> I like show <laughs> No you know Simon's doing really well with that side, you know side thing he's doing it's it's working fantastically for him but you know certainly on the park he's, he's he has different classes He's a breath of fresh air to young boys and they should actually look at him and use him as an example because of his determination to win and how much he puts into the game, you know.
0: So you and Jim McNally have the longest serving, I guess, joint management team in Scotland. But seven years? Over seven years you have been
4: in charge? Yeah, seven and a bit, I think it is. Um, but certainly that's a lot of testament to the club as well. Because certainly you, with the travelling that we do, you, you know, you, you love the club and as I said, the people running it, are, they are different classes, something to none that I've ever met in the game. And I've been lucky enough to be involved for over 30 years now. And they are, they are a special a special bunch of people, you know.
5: You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football
0: Show. I'm talking big data. I'm talking St Mirren 1, Livingston nil. This is the Premiership game on Saturday. Everyone else having cup fun. St Mirren... Secured their first win of 2019. Can you believe it? Ryan Flynn with an 89th minute winner against Livingston. Three matches unbeaten for the Buddies. And they're now a point behind Dundee in 11th. So it's pretty good little win for them there.
1: Ryan Flynn's first goal of the season. First Premiership goal as well. Shows you what a bit of persistence. Pays off for himself personally and for the team. Fighting on to the 89th minute. Thing is, they're keeping the pressure on Dundee as well. Since they've picked up their form. It's are showing they're not going to lie down and let this gap grow any bigger
2: well yeah the interesting thing is that all three the three bottom teams who particularly in the first part of the season were all hopeless now are starting to get a little bit of form going just at the right time so it like, always happens this doesn't it at the end of the season they start being good it's but, weird and also you've got the split coming i mean we're still five games away from the split and then they all start playing each other so there's all you know there's even greater chance for um for points to be won, St Mirren played Dundee at home in a couple of weeks' time before the split as well, so they've still got to play each other twice. Yeah. Um, so that that'll have a big bearing on uh, on who goes down, who who goes into the, the playoff place. But the thing is with the fact that now they're all getting a little bit of form going earlier in the season. Now I thought you know whoever comes out of the championship playoffs um, is going to fancy their chances. Whereas now at least if whoever finishes second bottom goes into the playoffs without and not in terrible form then they they stand a better chance of uh
0: of staying up. Sitmarin uh didn't have Greg Tanzi for this game because they played the SFA lottery and uh appealed. <laughs> um I don't know if you saw Greg Tanzi's tackle on he only, he only Dicamona. nearly destroyed
2: one knee. So, and the SFA's, you know, rule book <laughs> that that might be enough to get him off. Some people say why did they appeal it? cuz it was such an obvious dangerous tackle. Yeah. But given the season that we've had you would appeal anything that's exactly yeah I mean, if the guy that threw the book fast bottle got like a five game ban he'd probably appeal it and get off with it so you know given the SFA's track
0: record this season so you know this, <laughs> this is the, the SFA lottery you've got to play political humour <laughs> uh, things that's not so funny it's one win in 11 games in all all comps I keep hearing people say now all comps all competitions that's the word use that uh, for Livingston they're probably not going down doesn't seem like it anyway what are they gonna do this season? What is the what is the point of Livingston now?
2: They're just floating Look around.
0: Up where they are gonna go on their holidays?
2: Yeah, they're uh they're just they've of, got enough.
1: They're just floating around, doing nothing. This is why last season I when the playoff final came around, I said I wanted Party Thistle to stay up because I felt as though they offered more to the premiership than Livingston. And yes, in the opening games of the season, the that we spell, I was proved completely wrong. Um and I thought they're actually gonna they're offering something here. This could be Shades of and what, two all over again. But I mean, the last kind of couple of months, have just been boring.
0: Is the problem with being mid-table is it's that slide to mediocrity. You win some, lose some. When yeah, when it's regressing to the mean. So
2: yeah. they had a ridiculously good start for them, which then meant they were safe and to take their foot off the gas. I mean, I think they've they've won one game since the night they beat Hearts five 0 around just before Christmas time. I mean, that was such an like, incredible result, and in that you know everyone was talking about Livingston at that point in the season, potentially even fighting for top six. Yeah. Um, They're not going to do that now, but it's still, no matter what, it's been an incredible season for them because if they stay up, no one really gave them a chance of doing that at the start of the season and given, you know, through the manager change and everything. um,
0: It's all home form, right? It's 26 points at home. I mean, it must be something to do with the pitch. The pitch. That's the pitch. I mean, because of all the the plastic, and we've been through the plastic
2: pitch debate, that is the worst one and it's the one that's most recently laid and things.
0: What do you think? Is it players are just used to the bounce of that pitch, so they are having advantage? Yeah, they must people be training
2: on it constantly and you know, know how it how it works. I mean, it's one of the things that I would say is testament to how well Comarnak have done because people talk about you know Camarnock got the plastic pitch, but actually, until very recently, their away form was better than the home form, so it wasn't you know just out in the pitch.
1: You look at the table and it's you look at the top. So Celtic Rangers fighting for the league, Aberdeen, Kelly Hearts fighting for Europe, Hibs, St Johnstone, Motherwell fighting for the top six kind of battle. And then you've got Livingston. And then below them, Hamilton, Dundee, and all fighting against relegation in the playoffs. So living are just the only ones that are just there. At least
0: they're safe. they're, just, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, yeah, they're, that's, they're that's safe. That's the price
2: for overachieving they're, early they're in the safe. season. Yeah, like, yeah. That that is, by budget and by expectation they should be fighting with those bottom three. Yeah. But they did so well that yeah. And that's fair the reward,
1: I guess. But at the same time, their their reward is at everyone else's detriment because we're just sitting here going, eh? Uh?
0: Kilmarnock nil, Motherwell nil. There was a cheeky bonus Premiership game, this one, at Rugby Park on Saturday. We previewed Kamarnik versus Motherwell for last midweek, like a bunch of idiots, because the game was then fogged off, mugging us off, fogging the game off, and rescheduled for Saturday. Killy were planning going to Tenerife, but to reschedule their flights, win less than six Premiership games.
2: And they weren't the only ones that had to reschedule flights.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I ended up going to it at the last minute to help out as I kind of help out filming Motherwell on match days.
0: Oh yes, you were there. So
1: yeah, I, I went there last minute, flight up, obviously there was um, a, a lot of change of plans across the board um because no one really thought there was going to be a game on that weekend from a Motherwell perspective and uh, I got blown to bits, I got soaked to bits Um, and by the end of the game it was, on the recordings of the footage you probably just hear me laughing because... It was just ridiculous. I was sodden, and the
0: weather was horrible. It right? was
1: the weather was ridiculous. There was no goals, and I said beforehand this better be some sort of four three classic or something, but you know it's probably going to be goalless. And stupidly enough, I didn't bother put money on it, and it happened to be goalless.
0: I think Stephen Robinson did his post match interview. I remember thinking you've summed that up perfectly. So it was basically, essentially, it's a fair draw. We did okay. They did okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and it just—they could have just taken that draw from the Wednesday night game and just agreed that. Yeah, is, is, is this also a
2: lesson not to cancel games in the fog? Games in the fog are great when you're there, and like <laughs> you have like no yeah, idea Yeah, you have no idea what's happening when you hear some sort of like cheers in the background. You're like, oh, we must have scored. Even with Kamarnock. it's a bit—you know—there's a better version of Longson. It's regressing to the mean. Like Comarnock have again massively overachieved this season. So the fact of having a bit of a dip in form there's no great surprise. and you it does know, make budge, sense, not it? Budget-wise, they still far lower budget than like Hearts, for example, or below them in, in the table. I mean, I think there's also how much this has affected, I don't know, but cases like Jones, whose nose is off at the end of the season, there'll be quite a lot of players at Kamarnock that they'll be looking to next season already and are they going to stay there or move on? Is Clark even going to be there? It's going a bit quiet on this now because Lyon's in charge, but there was talk of him for the Celtic job. I see that uh, Fulham were also rumored with them.
1: I've been really disappointed with Kelly recently, though. But I, again, I kind of feel the opposite of they're not quite overachieving this season. It's more they're just kind of letting themselves down at this stage of the season. I think it's when,
0: demoralizing when you lose players like Stewart and you realize that oh, it's not going to happen
2: now. Yeah, but that's
1: one player. Surely that the loss of one player can't change that's their entire Kamara. season. And
2: yeah, you re- so basically the whole point of like the whole, the whole point the whole point of Komar. <laughs> no, the whole uh, idea that the Kamara play with um this season is being very solid, being hard to beat, and then relying on moments of magic from yeah. Brophy, Jones, Brophy and Jones and Stewart. And Stewart. Yeah, yeah, but they've still and one got of them, Brophy and Jones. And one of them has gone,
0: another one has already signed to
2: go yeah. to another club.
1: Yeah. There's always that controversy. But then you look
0: Stewart, made Brophy play well. That's why, because yeah. without him, Brophy's certainly not the same player. Like I was saying, I've always said that his XG is really high because he's getting loads of chances and it was mostly because Greg Stewart's expected assists was really high. <laughs> so he was creating all these chances for Brophy so now they don't have that and that means that everything has a domino effect in the other part of the team. So yeah. It's just, also, however, I think we we know now it's
2: been one season too far for Chris Boyd.
1: <laughs> but it's just it's he disappointing because the likes of not when very many.
2: I mean, compared to last season, not very many.
1: It's disappointing because when Kamara play the likes of Rangers, they always seem to do really well against them. Even Celtic, Steve Clark's taking a lot of points off both both sides of the old firm. But then they're dropping points to Motherwell, they're dropping points to Livingston. Yeah, but goes that, that back to what we're
2: saying. The way they play is it suits to play that way against Celtic and Rangers, where you have no expectations, to take the game to them, you can sit back. And defend deep and that's what they do well but when the expectation is on them to try and take the game into a position a bit more they find it a lot more difficult like celtic losing to valencia and they they compare the budgets and all that kind of stuff comarnock beating celtic the number of times they did or even being only a few points back until a couple of weeks ago in terms of the the multiples of budget celtic are way ahead of Kamarok's budget more than psg are ahead of celtic's budget yeah and when Celtic went in the Champions League, we're constantly told, ah, oh, well, but it's impossible for them to compete because of the financial gulf is like just as big it's
0: exactly the same on the s- domestic front. Yeah, I think the difference between Celtic's, i said this a few times before, but I think Celtic's wage bill is something like 900,000 and Aberdeen's is 130, for example. So the fact that they're. And Aberdeen's will be much bigger than the Exactly, much bigger. I would have liked it if they could have just kept going, but the league seems to have sort of. Middled out to what I it should be. I feel like
1: I'm kind of seeing parallels here with the season that Dundee United had. Was it 2014 15 when they were challenging at the top? They were top for quite a while, and Celtic, I think they were Celtic overtook them around Christmas time, and it was the first time Celtic had went top of the table at this point. And um, because Dundee United beat Celtic just before Christmas, and Everyone was talking about like the bear topic come on at this season. Can they challenge? Can they keep it up for the rest of the season? And then in this transfer window in January, they lost Gary Mackay, Stephen, and Stuart Armstrong and completely capitulated. And that was it. And for the first half of the season, they were outstanding and then just fizzled away into nothing. And I kind of feel like I'm seeing the same with Kelly now.
0: Yeah, it's very difficult supporting a team that isn't one of the. The two big Glasgow ones, because basically life sucks most of the time, and then
3: when does
5: the bubble burst?
0: And then for one decade, Alex Ferguson turns up. But there you go. <laughs> um, so the uh, the last Scottish Cup quarter final is between Park Thistle and Hearts. But obviously we're talking now in a Monday evening uh, afternoon sort of bit, so it's kicking off tonight after we finish recording. But uh, we'll say congratulations to um, to Park Thistle or congratulations to Hearts, and uh, our wonderful producer Charlie can just edit in whichever one that is. So I look cool. Um, what a hat trick from Connor Salmon. No one saw that coming. <laughs> so that's it from us. We'll be back next Monday. Although we said that last week, we did an emergency pod on the Tuesday. So hopefully what Brendan uh, Rodgers doesn't it? come back what to what Scotland. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp
2: resigns after his terrible run and Steven Gerrard takes over at Liverpool. We'll oh, we're we'll
0: Can you imagine? Uh, well that could happen you never know the world of Scottish football is fantastic but we'll definitely be here on Monday after Celtic have played Aberdeen and Hibs have played Rangers so we'll
5: speak to you then you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts Spotify Audio Boom and everywhere else you get your audio on demand